The one thing that this that Micah Parsons should have should be to several or, or many, but but it certainly is several teams in this league is do better in your scouting reports of these players, do better in having an open mind, do better of asking why, as opposed to just, okay, I have my answer, that book is closed. Micah would have helped any of the teams um, ahead of the Cowboys who had drafted him. How do you do an episode after the greatest weekend in NFL history? You talk about it. That's exactly what we have right. to do. I think we need to bring on an expert who was actually there mm -hmm. in uh, Dallas Town Native NFL Network and first two-time podcast guest, oh. Kim Jones. She came back. She came back. She was one of our first in she the was. first three episodes. Yes. And she made it through the NFL season. She thrived. Mm -hmm. uh, her content was incredible. She can grade us on how we've been since. Or I, lack thereof. I wonder if we'll be, if we have improved at all in 33 episodes. There's only one way to find out. Talk to Kim Jones. Yeah. Also, big news for a Harrisburg native, another podcast guest, Michael Parsons, mm -hmm. pro football writer. Nope. Yep. Got yep. it wrong. No, sure. pro football he's gonna, He won an award and he's going to win another award. He's going to continue to win awards yeah. until he wins a Super Bowl and he ends up in the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Still, let's just go there <laughs> immediately. He's on a good track for it. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. do we agree or disagree with the Baseball Hall of Fame this week? I disagree. Okay, we'll get into that at I the end of the episode. It's 50-50. 50-50. A lot we'll of people feel that way. Find out what that means at the end of this this week's episode of the Sports Extra Podcast. But first, let's start where everyone is talking. Mm. No one disagrees with this statement. Not a single person disagrees with this statement. Nobody? Nope. I'm going out. Ultimatum. Okay. Before we get too far into the episode, be a friend. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please rate us five stars and leave us a review. All right, back to the episode. Sure. It was the greatest weekend. A weekend, yeah. In the NFL playoff history. Yeah. Weekend, yeah, for sure. We'll get into but who, the games. But who categorizes it as that? Uh, everyone was... I, everyone yeah. I heard... I think because that. nobody's... At, well, I think the debate comes, was it the best game of all time? Referring to the Bills and Chiefs. Because that's where you get into different waters. Weekend, you could say that. Because, like, you know, how many times are there four games that are all decided by, you know, last second field goal or touchdown in overtime? Yeah. every That one's easy. But game, that's a whole different conversation. Okay. So we're universally accepting best weekend. Mm -hmm. Thrilling to watch. You think yes. about uh, Penn State longtime NFL kicker Robbie Gould sending Aaron Rodgers and the Packers packing. Mm -hmm. And his shoe. And his shoe from Lancaster, which mm -hmm. is awesome. My favorite thing is that he was like, yeah, my shoes are 15 years old. I guess I should get a new pair of shoes. Also, what a bold <laughs> time to try and get. Like, why now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it worked. It was really good timing, but still. Actually, speaking with that business owner this week, uh, it's Angelo's Soccer Corner in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. Producer Shiner tipped me off that this was even a story for us. But um, he's had the business for 35 years. Mm -hmm. He sells uh, cleats to just about everyone in this area who plays either Soccer, lacrosse. He also has a guy named um, Christian Polisic who yeah. buys from him. Mm -hmm. And he's so humble about it. It took me like 20 minutes to get me to tell him, like to talk about who sure. he sells to, all these things. But he said, he was like, Robbie is so superstitious. And yet he bought a cleat from me this week mm -hmm. and used it in the game to win, to send his team to the NFC Championship. I wonder if he did it because it was Lambo, and maybe like conditions. Like why, why this week? The studs on the cleat yeah. can be changed. They can be screwed out so they can get longer or shorter depending on what mm -hmm. your preference is. And it's all about that plant foot on grass in the snow. 
grass. That must be what it is. So, mm-hmm. interesting story. Who that knew? is an interesting story. A cleat story. from Lancaster sent a team to the NFC Championship. I was saying we're, run out of, we're running out of people for local ties, <laughs> but not shoes. Not shoes. Shoes-wise, we're good. You know who else had a huge week? Yeah. Lancaster born. Yes. And raised till he was 11. Nick Scott. <laughs> you got to make sure to <laughs> you gotta, preface. Yeah. You know, uh, former Penn State two-time captain. Yeah. Intercepted. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Oh, he played it. Well, he Tom played Brady. a tremendous game besides even just that pick, though. There was a number of pass breakups that he had in the game, and I think it was five tackles on top of it. You're exactly to right. To go from a special teamer to getting this significant amount of time is actually, like, I feel like it's been just a crazy month for him. It has, and I think he... Just uh, earning trust left and right. Well, and he was someone who just filled a, a, a hole due to injury in the mm-hmm. middle of the season. He was, Sean McVay said when they drafted him seven, in the seventh round in 20... 19? Yeah, his third season. Mm-hmm. Seventh round, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, 243rd overall. There you go. I can't do math, so I was just trying to figure out what Well, I mean, I didn't count all the guys was. before. True. <laughs> <laughs> I can list all 242 yes. he, of them. He, maybe he can. Uh, he might, you know, because he's got that chip on his shoulder a little bit. But McVay said when they drafted him, they expected him to be an exceptional special teams player because that's where he excelled at Penn State. He was mm-hmm. the special teams captain after realizing that maybe running back wasn't going to work when a guy named Saquon Barkley was in front of you. Mm-hmm. So he decided to switch positions to a special teams role, defense, all of those things. Um, ended up getting drafted to the NFL. Sean McVay thought maybe special teams, you know, he'll, he'll contribute somewhere due to injury. They throw him in at safety, and he has two game-sealing interceptions in a three-game span back in October mm-hmm. to win both of those games for his team or seal the win for, for his team. And everyone was like, well, who the heck is Nick Scott? Right. And now give him you know, a couple more months. He's still playing, still producing, and uh, he has that crucial first-half interception of Tom That's Brady. That's the beautiful thing about the NFL playoffs. It's that it's usually not the guys <clears> – <throat> I'm dying voice-wise. Mm. It's usually not the guys – that are the stars of the world that end up making the plays. It's usually the guys not known that then make that their platform to be, you know, known forever in a lot of ways. Malcolm yeah. Butler. It is a good point. And there was I mean, a, he was an undrafted guy too. And I think there was a lot of guys this weekend where you were like, that wasn't necessarily the one I thought who would step up. But No, that's the thing. You, we'll you don't it. know. You never know. Mm. And you blow a 27-3 to three lead, but we won't talk about that. 27-3 to three <laughs> is the new 28-3? to three? It almost was. Whew. What was the most shocking game result-wise? Oh, Niners-Packers, for sure. Okay. They blocked a punt to tie the game. It's not like the Niners. Like, Jimmy played so bad in that game, and I'm a Jimmy guy. Like I was like, Jimmy, why are you doing this? You made so many terrible mistakes. And they were so close to blocking every single punt. It felt like they were due, and then it actually happened. Even in the pregame, I think Matt LaFleur said, hopefully our special teams doesn't ruin us. Mm. Like, almost joking, and it did. And it like might, he, he, they knew, and it might run Rogers out of town because he said oh, after will. that game, "I'm not going to be a part well, of." Well, you a think rebuild. about why? Why would he? What's the point in coming back? They've now made early exits in. However, they're always at home. They're always in these games that they should be. They're favored in, should win, and they never do. It's true. Whether it's his fault or not, every single time they do. So, like, what? Even if they bring everybody back, and I know they have a bunch of short contracts on guys, so that is one thing to figure out. But what's the point if? You have another great regular season and you bow out again early. You're just doing the same thing over. I think very much people are over the same movie over and over again there. I agree. I also think they have the second worst cap situation in the NFL. Like they're 46 million. Because they were all in on the last right. couple of years. They signed all these defensive it, guys. It had to be this year. Yeah. And, and you could kind of feel that. And you could feel that with Rodgers and the way he was talking. Like, I love Green Bay. But not really, you know. And it was like, if they won now, I think they had a shot of getting him to come back. But now, I don't know, no shot to me. Yeah. Um, 
So that game was definitely shocking. I think when you think about the fact that the Rams gave Tom Brady that many opportunities mm-hmm. to come back. That they also game, should have been up more in that game, 27 to 3. Like that agreed. was like they should have been up 45 to 3. But then you also think about how many opportunities they gave the Bucks and Tom Brady. And it's like they also should have, it shouldn't have been that close at the end. Like yeah. one of them needed to run away with that mm-hmm. and they just continued to play some terrible football. Oh, I mean, just off, I mean, between the offensive line that Brady was losing guys, then obviously his receiving core, it very much felt like he knew this wasn't the day. And then they gave him the the platform to be like, this is your day. Mm. You don't do that to that guy. No. <laughs> you think that's the one thing that you can't do in that game, but they somehow allowed it. Then you have the quarterback turnover where all the old guns are out and it's all new, new, fresh. I mean, if you take out Stafford, but, mm-hmm. you know, you think about Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like these guys who just had lights out, unbelievable games for their teams. Are we seeing that transition now? Uh, first championship weekend without Rodgers and Brady in 12 years. Oh, I did not. I did yeah. not see that. Without either of them. <laughs> so that's a stat wow. enough. And I mean, when you're in yeah. the final four, that's goes, that's what I'm saying. Like all of these teams, for the most part, and I think this is something you can get in with uh, Kim Jones, just in talking about divisions and where they play a part is that if you can win your division, obviously it's different now where there's only one buy instead of twos, but if you can get to the platform where you're in the divisional round, you only have to win a game, boom, championship game already. Right. It's a little different now because you have to usually get two to get there because a lot of the teams are wildcard teams, but it's so it, it the, the path is almost laid out there for you where in the past so many of these guys have had to only win one game and they're usually getting like a bad team that's coming in in their home building to move to the next round. So it's almost like things usually start for the final four at them. And I think that's the biggest difference with this new platform in the playoffs. How do you, like, I guess, look at the fact that both one seeds lost and, and showed up kind of flat-footed in both games? Um, I, I mean, I don't really consider the Titans a true one seed because I think right, this is the third straight time that they've lost while being a one seed just in their franchise. People always love to do that. They go, like, <laughs> what, is the, what do the past teams have to do with the, the current um, edition of it? Yeah. That. Like when when history like strike like what does the Browns have to do with being like the past teams? Well, they're the Browns. Yeah, this is like institutional where it goes uh, like that. I would say Titans wise, and I they also were one just absolutely horrid less Ryan Tannehill decision away from winning that game. Like with twenty seconds, like they completely Fair. flipped what the scenario was for Burrow to make one play to uh, Jamar Chase, and then they kick it and win the game. So it, it, it was very minor. In a lot of ways, like, the results were, were shocking, and it was a lot, like, underdog weekend. But there were one to two plays. Like, all of the teams that were at home blew it in some way. Yeah. Even the Bucks, you could yeah. say, going all-out blitz and letting Cooper <laughs> Cup run wild in that situation. Like, these teams are just making, like, that's why so much of the playoffs is not necessarily who does something right. It's who messes up mm. and how you take advantage of it. And I feel like all three cases were on display this weekend. What was... Which is what made it great. I would agree. And it made it chaotic, which I think was fun. Like, you had no we idea love what that. was going... Yeah. Ugh, chaos is our favorite. Sure. Uh, what was the worst decision of any of the games in your guys' mind? I want to bring in our, uh, producer Steve and Shiner, too, because I know they yeah. sat and watched all the games as well. Do you guys have one that comes to mind, Steve? Yeah. Uh, easily for me... I would say um, running prevent defense against the Chiefs. Like, mm. They have Travis Kelsey. Right. First of all, that defense doesn't work. And I know that you can kind of counter this with saying, like, well, you know, if they took a 
like like the Bucks, you were just saying they didn't all out blitz. Surprise, Cooper <laughs> Cup's going over mm-hmm. the top. Like a play after know. Cooper Cup literally did the right, same thing. Right. So yeah. basically, yeah, just prevent defense, and that's part of a larger issue, which is just that shouldn't be employed. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. They had Kelsey mic'd up for yeah, that, that drive, really getting him like uh, getting them into field goal range to kick the game winning field goal, and just listening to him, like he saw it so clearly, like the seam will be open, no problem, mm-hmm. and like executed to perfection. It's it's you think about how smart these guys are, and how much film they watch and all that. Like it, it wasn't a question for them of what they were going to do. It wasn't mm-hmm. a lucky play. Like they knew exactly how how to make the Bills look vulnerable. And this is also, I think, the number one defense scoring wise in the nfl it's not like it was yeah. any schlub i mean obviously mahomes and them are a different monster but yeah especially just the way that oh gosh what that okay we need to talk about that in a second sure. but shiner do you have like the worst decision of the weekend for you not so much the worst decision but i think it it is kind of crazy that patrick mahomes has 14 seconds to get in field goal range and is able to execute mm-hmm. flawlessly and then you have the deck debacle where (laughs) same amount of time almost less yardage I think they had to go to make a play now we're talking field goal versus touchdown here but just same deal like there are two people you have to have eyes on the entire time on that Chiefs team and that is Kelsey and as the cheetah and both of them had huge plays to make it you know get them to overtime and then obviously they made huge catches and the game winner for Kelsey in overtime leave it to the Eagles fan to bring up the Cowboys and and slander them a little bit there. It's not oh, slander. It's still it's, really it's bad. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just think it shows. One week doesn't remove that what they did. It, it just shows the decision making yeah. is elite. Smart team in one team. quarterback and not in you, another. You know what I thought was interesting. Um, my Eagles fan who thought they were going to the Super Bowl in the office. Uh, God love his optimism. <laughs> Gotta stop he, bringing him up. I know, but he 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 brought it back right before the Super Bowl. Oh, did he wild bring it back he, after they did it? No, no, no. Wow, before weird. the Super Wild Card weekend, oh, he yeah. was like, maybe not. But he came in this weekend and he goes, So I learned something about the NFL. Did you? And he goes, There's a big difference between a playoff quarterback and a division or like a championship quarterback. And I was like, What showed you that? And he goes, Chiefs bills and right. I was like yeah there's a huge difference between Jalen Hurts having a better than expected season getting you to the playoffs and uh-huh. actually being able well, to win again but like Allen was bad like was making all of these terrible decisions and like even missing guys his first couple of years and then has developed the last two this mm-hmm. is like the finality of everyone going well Jalen Hurts is not that guy Josh Allen wasn't that guy and now he's that guy like give him two minutes to develop you know who we're I gonna- can't <laughs> people made me so mad it's over no He's not the guy. We we can't even get into that debate because we have all off season to deba- <laughs> decide whether or not Jalen Hurts is the guy. But the debate we are going to get into, I'm going to bring her in right now. NFL Network, Dallas Town native, Kim Jones. She was at the Bills Chiefs game, and I think she deserves to, to figure this out with us about just how great this game was. All right, here she is. Our first two-time podcast guest, Kim Jones. Thank you. We are so glad we didn't scare you away the first yeah. time. <laughs> I'm so happy to join you, Allie and Logan. All right. So I can't imagine watching it on TV was crazy enough. Mm-hmm. Heart palpitations, the whole thing screaming at my television. You are <laughs> Were you screaming? Heck yeah, I was. <laughs> what? Um, Kim Jones was on the sidelines, yeah. probably not screaming. I was gonna say, I don't think you were screaming. <laughs> what was it like? Just the environment, the mentality. I mean, this mm-hmm. is what a lot of people are saying, two of the best young quarterbacks just lights out going at it what was it like to watch this thing in person 
Yeah, and I spent most of the time in the press box and then with about between five and seven minutes left, um, my colleague James Palmer, our producer Christine Martin, and I headed down to the field, you know, not really knowing who was going to interview whom. James was covering the chief side of things. He covers the chiefs a lot. And I was, of course, covering the Bills, who I've covered an awful lot this season and, and, and last season as well. And we didn't know who was interviewing whom. So, you know, with 13 seconds left, I'm thinking, I'm doing an interview. I hope I can get Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis together. And those 13 seconds changed everything. But the, the biggest takeaway to me is no one left. Like that game ended, players, including some Bills, milled around the field. It was almost as if they understood what they just played in and almost no one left in the stands. Mm -hmm. You could look up and still see people in almost every seat. It was, it was, I'm not sure I've ever seen a game exactly like that start to finish. And by finish, I mean all of that stuff on the field afterwards. Mm. It, it's funny because- you almost in nine cases out of 10 would see just such a different demeanor from a team that scores with 13 seconds left right. because that's you're never going to see that in any league. Did, did you sense that from the Bills that the fact that Mahomes was on the other side, that they were almost, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on sort of a premature celebration? Or did you sense the other side? Oh, I mean, 13 seconds, you, you kind of think you can survive anything. <laughs> you, you know, um, we now know differently. Mm -hmm. But... We were on the Chiefs sideline, so watching across at the Bills, and we were also trying to get, you know, our own plan in place. So it, 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 at 13 seconds left, I, I will tell you, I thought I was getting a Bills interview after that game, you, you know, and, and covering the Bills this weekend in Orchard Park against um, the Bengals. So, you know, it, we take for granted it's only you know, 15 seconds. It's only now 13 seconds, but, but every second truly counts. I mean, maybe that is the one coaching moment from this game that both teams and every team in the NFL can, can, can count on, you know, you're never completely out of it in a one score, mm. crazy, crazy game. Yeah. Do, do you almost, I feel like everybody has been going back and trying to nitpick the bills approach with the 13 seconds left, whether it be the defense or just kicking out right. and doing a touchback. Do you sense that, like, with all the games that you've covered of just, like, somebody made the error, or was it just the the error that there was just greatness on both sides? Like, nobody deserved to lose the game, it felt like. Yeah, Logan, I mean, I definitely think there was greatness on both sides. And, and I think, you know, we've seen that last year. Um, the Bills were not as great against the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game, but they were there. And the Bills certainly look set up as, obviously, Kansas City looks, you know, to be continued to set up, to be set up on a continuing basis. So, um, you know, I, I, Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, both after the game and then on Zoom this week, uh, he was on Zoom, I guess, on Monday. Um, you know, he won't exactly divulge what went wrong, leading for us to perhaps consider player error, and he doesn't want to do that to a player. Um, Sean's usually pretty willing to take blame himself. So I don't know where that falls in. I will say this, in the NFL, even if Superman is on the other side, and you could argue he was, um, you got to be able to win something if it's a 13-second clock. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bills would tell you that, and obviously the Chiefs are very well aware of that.
I just feel for Bills fans in general. And I can't <laughs> imagine. I can't imagine. Like just the number of games they've lost in such heartbreaking fashion over the course of the franchise. But I think, you know, people are already debating, is this the greatest playoff game of all time? Um, some people are using kind of the, the caveat of, well, it's maybe the best quarterbacked game yeah. of all time. Mm -hmm. Are we seeing that transition of guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers who are going to sit on their couch this week uh, kind of the old guns to the young guns. Are you seeing that in the NFL right now? Well, I, I think you could argue to an extent, although I'm not retiring Brady or Rogers quite yet, um, Good idea. Both obviously, you know, still, you know, very capable, but I understand Ali what you mean. And I, I do think if you're in the AFC right now and you're a GM, you've got to think about what your quarterback situation is right now. And if your quarterback situation is anywhere near as competitive as it needs to be to deal with Mahomes and Allen, you know, quite possibly for the next decade. And, and with quarterback play, I don't think that is an exaggeration. And, and they both might play more than a decade, you, you know, as we see. So um, I, I think in the AFC, these are clearly, you know, two top quarterbacks who aren't going anywhere for a while. And, and I think in that conference, you know, other teams have, have taken note for sure. Yeah, we were just talking about just the the difference, right? We have a bunch of Eagles fans here in, in Pennsylvania, and they were saying like, okay, not that they're all out on Jalen Hurts or anything like that, but there's clearly a difference in play between a playoff caliber quarterback and a championship caliber quarterback. And I think that's kind of the debate now is everyone's going to look at what happened this weekend and just the elite quarterback play if you even look at Joe Burrow, right? And, and what he was able to do yeah. and think about – do I really have that guy and how willing am I to give up other things to get a guy like that? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think we thought quarterback drama was bad last year. I think it's going to be insane this, this yeah. off season, but that's my perspective. Who yeah. knows? No, I mean, speaking of quarterbacks, I feel like people have gone to the debate of the NFL overtime rules and people are getting upset at one side of just it being a coin toss, but, but it's almost ironic because in that game, if the bills go and score, then it's still obviously the same conversation. But even if they were to change the rules, wouldn't we just be waiting? Like, it's fair to say Allen would have gone down and scored anyway. And then Mahomes scores again, and then it's the same conversation over again. Do you think that the overtime rules need adjusting or that this conversation is, we're just talking ourselves in circles here? Yeah, probably a mixture of both. I mean, Andy Reid even came out, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but said, you know, yeah, like I understand where the bills are coming from and, and the overtime rules, and, and it could have been the other way, you know, with a flip of a coin. Um, but you know, but those last 13 seconds weren't a flip of a coin. Right. They were a competitive time in that game that the chiefs clearly won. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if you're Buffalo, while you can, you know, hate the rule, you cannot embrace the rule. You can dislike the rule when it hurts you like the rule when it helps you. I get all of that, but, um, they had a competitive period there where quote unquote, they just, and I know it's just is easy to say from the, from, you know, my kitchen right now, but <laughs> they just needed to make a stop mm -hmm. and they would have been okay there. They, you could argue, uh, and I'm not a huge special teams person where I can get into the ins and outs of everything, but you could argue, you just need to pooch that kick a little bit longer so that time does go off the clock conceivably or squib it, you know, now mm -hmm. the squib has some some backfiring potential there, right? But yeah. With it the right way, maybe you get four seconds knocked off. So I understand all of that, but, and that's partly why we love football, right? Because we're sitting here, um, what's today, Wednesday? Yeah. We're sitting here Wednesday having, you know, 
not a complete, I mean, none of us are yelling and screaming, but we're having a relatively passionate football conversation about something that's between three and four days old, right? And that's the beauty of all of this. Um, will the overtime rules be tweaked? I guess my hunch is no, but but if, you know, that 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 will fade as this game fades at least a tiny bit, you know, from our consciousness. Yeah, I mean, Reed was actually on the other side in an AFC championship game mm -hmm. three years ago in right. the exact same right. spot. So him being asked about that, I mean, what's he going to say? He can't go against his own, no. his yeah. past self. I think it was Mina Kimes from, from ESPN though, who pointed out that this season teams are 10 and one when they win the coin toss. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that's where the debate lies is that if you were to go, I, someone made a comparison on Twitter and you, we all know in this room, I love Twitter, yeah. but they made the comparison. It would be like deciding the shootout in an NHL game on who scores like the first yeah. team to score a goal. And it's like, that's not necessarily mm -hmm. fair. Um, so I think that's where the debate is, is uh, while so many things lead up to a tied game, the actual process of playing overtime mm -hmm. isn't great i said let's make it college rules and everyone was like you oh. sat through penn state illinois like are you yeah. crazy so you know <laughs> we did i am crazy I Suffered guess. Yeah, through that, it. Um, yeah that was a shame I, I think people are talking about this i think a lot of excitement from this game stems from the fact that they always think the bills and chiefs will be back and mm -hmm. a part of that plays into i guess their roads to get there especially being in the past that you would have two teams with a bye that you'd automatically be in the divisional round. Now that the fact that there's one, do right. you think that there's any comps when it comes to how a team like the Eagles and maybe the division they have, because I know that you obviously have a, a number of knowledge and just actual ties to the Giants. Do you think that the Eagles can get to the place where they are like one of these teams that can see themselves in this situation based on who they play consistently? Oh, sure. I, I mean, anything's, you know, anything, first of all, almost anything's possible with a little bit of time, you know, in the NFL, the question is how much time do you give, you know, a GM, uh, certainly a head coach. And, and then ultimately uh, we're talking about the quarterback and, you know, we all know that's the most, you know, important position and the one where the clock starts almost immediately, you know, do I think that Jalen hurts has a lot of the qualities you would want in a franchise quarterback. I'm not pretending that I know him well. I've spoken to him a couple of times. I've spoken to people about him uh, several times, but there are different ways to get this done. Um, what, what Josh and Patrick have shown us though, is they both can do anything you need them to do on the field, right? And they can do it almost any time you need it because they are both big and strong, Josh more so and able to move that arm any way they need to probably Patrick a little bit more so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and Josh in particular, and I know Patrick runs and I know his, his, his feet, you know, helped him um, Sunday against the bills. Uh, they had to put a spy on him at one point, mm -hmm. but you know, Josh in particular is very dangerous as a runner, probably too dangerous for the bills liking. Cause they'd like once in a while for him to maybe drop back, throw the ball and not take hits as a runner. But you know, I do think that these two, and, um, Ali, you were right to include Joe Burrow. I think he's like on the cusp. He's, you know, I think it's unfair to say right now he's Allen and Mahomes because right. those two have, have proven it over a couple of years, but absolutely positively Burrow's on his way. It certainly appears that way. Well, especially when you think of the fact that his rookie season was yeah. cut short and now right. in his first real full season, yeah. healthy back, that this is what he's putting out is, I mean, we thought about right. We thought he was great in college. I think he's already proven that the Bengals yeah. <laughs> made a great choice in a, in a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, it's interesting. All this NFC East talk, though, the team that has the easiest path, in my mind, to becoming what Logan's talking about, that dominant out-and-out -out team, 
is the Cowboys because for a long time they were playing like they were just lights out better mm-hmm. than everyone else. And a big, big reason for that is our guy, Michael Parsons. Yeah. Kim, this is how I found you. I didn't realize you were related to central Pennsylvania until I saw a comment on an Instagram post on Micah saying that your parents watched him on the news. Yeah. And yeah. I think about your connection from Pennsylvania, you're both Penn Staters, to watch him develop into what he did this season. He just won, uh, you know, it, one of many probably Rookie of the Year awards. Yeah. What has this been like for you to see his dream realized and you've been there for so much of it? Yeah, you know, it was fun. I got to cover um, Washington football team hosting Dallas. And then afterwards, you know, not surprisingly, Michael was the, was the guy we interviewed afterwards. And it was a fun interview. I still have it pinned to my Twitter page at Kim Jones Sports. Um, it'll stay there for a while, I think. Um, he's just, he's terrific, you know, and he's handled everything incredibly well from what I can tell. It was great to, I was able to catch up with him pregame that game a little bit. Um and you can tell that he's learned a lot. Uh, Dan Quinn's been vital in his success uh, on Tuesdays, generally players day off in the NFL. Micah was with Dan Quinn on a lot of Tuesdays watching tape in his office. I was told separately by someone, you know, he's in Dan Quinn's office a whole lot. So I, I absolutely know that from the Cowboys standpoint, everyone has noticed, um, you know, how much Micah has been, you know, I know it's a cliche, but that sponge soaking up all of this knowledge. And I think it's really important to note, even though the Cowboys season obviously ended in a way they, they certainly did not want it to end, but it was, it was largely Micah who kept them afloat there defensively when Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory were out. And then, you know, as you guys well know, he moved to defensive end his natural position did not miss a beat. Um, uh, you know, moved back and a little bit of the numbers changed a little bit because they're going to change for, for a linebacker in the middle of the defense compared to a pass rusher up front. But I think that Micah handled everything as, as well as he possibly could have. I couldn't be happier for him. I really can't. I can't be happier for him um, with the way this is all turning out. And I do know the Cowboys absolutely positively love him and good for him good for him to find a home in the NFL like that. That game you're talking about mid December, two sacks and a forced fumble. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was really felt like there's nothing he can't do in that right. moment. And I think that was so special for so many people. Um, I think about that interview you're talking about that's pinned to your Twitter and I go back and watch it. You said at the end, like, I'm so proud of you yeah. and it, you could feel like the love, you know, that you both have for each other. And I think, that's what's always been so great about the way you report is you really take the time to know these people the best you can. Um, and you know that Mike has been through so much. Have you seen kind of the, the Penn State community, maybe even central Pennsylvania from what you are able to observe while you are so busy during the season, but have you seen how he's changing people's hearts and minds right now? I mean, he, he's inspiring a whole city. Yeah, and absolutely. And I wish he wouldn't have had to do that. You know, I we could do a whole separate podcast that would have to be a lot longer on whether all of that should have been necessary. I mean, the one thing that this that Micah Parsons should have should be to several or, or many, but but it certainly is several teams in this league is do better in your scouting reports of these players. Do better in having an open mind. Do better of asking why, as opposed to just okay, I have my answer. That book is closed. Micah would have helped any of the teams um, ahead of the Cowboys who had drafted him. 
you know, and you might say, well, so-and-so has a great pass rusher. Well, you don't just need one, you, you know, and he's an elite pass rusher. He is truly as gifted, I think, as maybe any defensive front seven player in this league. And the only reason I wouldn't say the back four is they're just so different body types once you get to the guys and the, the safeties and the cornerbacks. And that probably wouldn't be fair to anyone, even though Micah can run with them, you know, and we've seen him in coverage, by the way, do really well. But generally speaking, if you talk about a front seven, you know, I don't know that you'd find six other players better than Micah. I mean, he's and, and what it seems like he's done it from afar and from talking to people, he's done it the right way, like I said, by working his tail off, by having football mean a great deal to him, and then by going out there on Sunday, I, I know it's a bit cliche, but essentially saying I'm not going to be denied. And that has helped him absolutely take this league by storm. He shouldn't just be defensive rookie of the year. In my mind, he should be defensive player of the year. My guess is they give it to the guy with the most sacks, and that's not Micah. But if you truly watch and understand who wasn't on the field with him, I think that you can make a very good case he should win both awards. Mm. Production-wise, I mean, people don't bring up Lawrence Taylor often because they right. consider him being the best defensive player of all time. When you have production-wise somebody that has the same – you know, stats that he had in his rookie yeah. year. Is it lost on you that he could be have, you could be witnessing the first part of somebody's career that could be in that upper echelon uh, in a class of its own defensively? Right. And and no one got home on more pass rushes this season than Micah in the league. And that's him part-time playing up front, right. you, you know, and he didn't blitz on every play, you know, from his linebacker position. So um, yeah, it's, it is, it's special, the, you know, as you guys well know, and I think probably everyone listening knows the league has changed so much rules wise and everything else from LT, but, but I do think when you talk about game planning for someone, we can't let Micah Parsons beat us. I can understand that. And I can think of a couple of plays. There was one in Dallas when the giants were on the cusp of the goal line and Micah came screaming down the line of scrimmage and, and stopped Kadarius, Tony, a quick fast twitch receiver out of Florida, a young guy um, uh, who was, you know, I don't even know, a, a foot and a half, maybe two feet from, from the goal line from scoring. Micah screamed down the line with his speed and made the stop. And afterwards, I mentioned something to Brian Balding or my, my colleague at NFL Network, and Baldy sent me like an eight-second or maybe it was a 12-second clip of just that. He said, just for you, Kim, because mm -hmm. Baldy does all of those great Baldy breakdowns on Twitter. Um, and I said how do he get there? And he was like, cause he's a freak, you know? And, and I, as you guys know, um, that's probably the way most of the league looks at him at this point. Yeah. What he did this season was incredible. We actually have a producer in our room right now who thinks that he would like to be tackled by Michael Parsons just to see what it's like. And oh. I'm just going to say that I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> but, but it's going to happen. We're going <laughs> to offer it to him and see you. I think we'll, we'll pad him in like one of those, um, Oh gosh, inflatable soccer ball things and see if that yeah, helps him. Yeah. Looking like the Michelin man. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kim, incredible couple weeks coming up here uh, with uh, AFC, NFC championships. Mm -hmm. And then of course the Super Bowl. Um, and then I know your work probably even gets crazier without games, trying to track down all these off season <laughs> changes. So we appreciate the time and uh, we're glad you made it through that insane Bills Chiefs game. It was a lot of fun. I love being with you guys. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, Allie.
Want more of these interviews? We've talked to Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy, Olympic medalist Haley Flickinger, and former Bears coach Bruce Boudreaux. To find those interviews, you have to go to our website, abc27.com slash podcast. All right, now back to the episode. Kim Jones is just a light in the NFL. She is. Also, Micah being a light got people out here on the verge of like tears and emotions and i think that's that's been one year (laughs) that's what we all have to remember right we sit here and we give him all these accolades and he deserves all of them but like his impact in one season yeah i mean we're talking about being drafted in april we're not even a year away from that we're a year away i mean we're sorry not a year away we're a week away from ricky waters (laughs) in a similar sense you know almost getting emotional talking about it where it's like you know where he was and then just the the city and just where it kind of stands in the the i don't know the scheme of things and where it produces I don't know. Once you have that reputation of like you pump out products and like guys that do it, I feel like you take on a whole different um, just tune to where it's at. And I feel like there's so much pride in the fact of the steady climb that's coming with headline by Micah. I think we also, and it's not, it's, this isn't a commentary on him, but I think we also expect these expectations to be so high sometimes that how could they possibly live right. up to that, right? Like He surpassed it. Crushed it. Like yeah. people thought he would be good. People thought he would be a great fit for the Cowboys. Did we really think that he would be the only rookie to win back-to-back Rookie of the Month awards? Did we mm-hmm. think that he would be in the conversation like Kim Jones said and have a great case for player of the We're year? We're talking about the top 10 teams being dumb by not taking him, if anything. Which, We're talking about the teams that, that didn't get this experience as a result. And if you even think about, and I know things have worked out with the Cowboys, but you think if you think all the way back to April after they drafted him, people were like, wait, what the heck? They only called him once. And then the way the first round or the first 10 picks played out, they were like, all right, we like him. Let's try it. You yeah. know, like they even got lucky taking him mm-hmm. in the way that they took him, you know? And I think what he's developed into the way he's been so intentional, he surrounded himself by family and, and very close friends. He stayed small. He hasn't let the moment get too big for him. Mm-hmm. He's giving unbelievable press conferences with the most hilarious sound bites. Yeah. He's shouting out his city all the time. He's going to be back here in April, accepting an award from the Salvation Army. Like this, this guy loves this place. Mm-hmm. He loves football. Mm-hmm. And the results speak for themselves. He's already got a key to the city. He, he, he can get my apartment right now. It's not that hard to get, Logan. Why do they do keys to the city? There's no gate Why, here. Why did it start? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a symbol. What else are they going to give you? I don't know. But I, I, a t-shirt? A bunch of like Jolly Ranchers, I feel like. I don't know. Oh, they could have given him like Hershey stuff. But he, That's true. It's Harrisburg, not Hershey. Fair. Fair. I'm just well, saying a key. Overplayed. I think maybe they used to have gates. You know? Give him like a diamond key. Oh. All gold key. We can't afford that. And now we're getting into news and politics. We're not going to do that. No, we're not. No. Sports extra. <laughs> I was about to go through the budget of the city. Logan pulls can it we, out. Can we swing yeah. it? No. Uh, but all yeah. these things, right? So great. You know, he's all pro. First Pro Bowl. Uh, rookie of the year by you, the Pro Football Writers Association. February 10th on yeah. ABC. We will find out in NFL honors if he not only wins rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year. And, and yeah, and, Huge. and I know Kim was talking about that, just the impact of a team. It's going to be tough in a year where a guy just oh, had the sack record I in know. Michael Strahan. Another Steelers guy. But 
It's incredible that it he's is. even in the conversation. It is. Both are incredible. And what, a, what a defensive year it was just for the league standard and individual performances. And good to remind people that defense is that important, you know? <laughs> well, apparently not in NFL overtime rules because people want the other side to get a chance too. People don't believe in defense at all. So we can't get back into it. <laughs> it could go for days. Yeah. I mean, it's going to go Defense for. Defense is important, except in this one game. It's, it's going to go for years. That yeah. debate will be forever. Yeah. Um, speaking of debates that go forever, mm. and we're going to try and not do it in more than five minutes. That okay. wasn't that wasn't the right sentence structure. <laughs> baseball, to my world. Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not going to go on forever, though. No, is there one? No, right Bonds answer? and Clemens are off the ballot now. They got to re- rely on the Veterans Committee. And if anything, he, this is kind of we're. we're gearing up towards the end in a lot of ways is it good that's the, the the debate might be coming to a close here given the, i mean the veterans committee has let in lesser guys before that probably didn't deserve to be in the hall but it's done it just for a feel-good moment i guess and it just it's it's so political it really is though it's like maybe one of these writers had a good experience with this guy and they want to see them them get in and as we know they don't feel this way about these two individuals rightfully so depending on how you feel about their past but um i don't know it just it, it no matter how you feel about it, obviously Ortiz gets in, never fully proven. There's murky water of maybe did he don't did he do performance enhancing drugs? Did he not? And then you guys that are actually caught in Clemens and blah blah blah. But my thing is, you already had what was probably the best pitcher of all time before these things were happening. Mm-hmm. Like in his his Red Sox days, mm. would have been that title. Mm. Bonds, same thing when he was a pirate. Like they did the, they impacted these the game well beyond what some of the other guys in the Hall of Fame are in right now. You couldn't name some of the guys in the Hall of Fame right, right now. And the, the whole what I respect so much about the Baseball Hall of Fame is that it's a small hall. There's not that many people. Yes. They don't let everybody and their mother into the Hall of Fame. And you're letting two just like absolute biggest names, trailblazers in the game, regardless of what they've done, out of it. I know it's a similar, like you yeah. bring up Pete Rose and it's different, but it's not, but just like those figureheads not doing everything right during that time, but they were the best at their time. And I feel like that's what the hall is. I think it could also, I would agree. Or should be. Rather. Should be. Yeah. I, but I think it's also, you could make a, a history case, right? Like not only are mm-hmm. these hall of fames, like capturing the game in the years that they, that these players are playing, but it's also kind of the the museum of baseball in a way mm-hmm. you could have a steroids conversation because you can't have take- a chapter, have a whole exhibit. I was saying, if anything, it would have made more sense. Why don't you put them all in, in one class? Yes. And then, and then you can be like, it. you know what? Be like, and if people want to discount that fine, the, the, the same way that like in the opposite ends of things, what was it? The draft with Marino and all that, that greatest quarterback draft. People see mm-hmm. that through that light, go see it through the opposite light of, of you know, here. like, yeah. you know, all over it, like throw them in, in the same class and then let that be the conversation. The fact that you almost like you basically let one and we're huge Ortiz people love him to death, but how could the you fact not? exactly? <laughs> but the fact that you let him in now makes it an even more yes. a weirder conversation. It's almost like because Poppy had like people are just obsessed with him as a human, you know, and the yeah. like the Boston Marathon and part, he had really good that. he had really good relationships with a lot of the writers. I think right. which we're going back to is the opposite right. reason why some of these people aren't making it. Well, I think we're starting to see these decisions are becoming increasingly more based on personal feelings. Oh, as personal agendas. To oh, 1,000%. And that's, that's why I don't like it. Well, but that's happening with all of these, like yeah. not just the, the MLB, but, you know, you talk about like Rogers with the M- MVP voting mm-hmm. and there are people, whether it happens this way or not, saying like, oh, well, I'm not going to vote for him based on sure. the vaccination problem mm-hmm. and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's just all these debates have started to become less about sports and more about everything else. Morals. Morals. 
opinions on. Hate to break it to you, there's been some terribly, there's been some bad moral people that are in Hall of Fames. What? <laughs> so why are we changing the conversation yeah. of ones that, you know what I mean? But I think baseball, if baseball were just to own this, like. Please do. Uh, like, okay, they owned. They the same own- way that like the McGuire Sosa, they're not changing that. Right. They're not changing those seasons. Those are in the record books. I think that, I think about Bonds like, is in the record books. They've owned breaking the color barrier and Negro baseball leagues and things like that yeah. and trying to acknowledge that there was a time where baseball was segregated and mm-hmm. we have, I mean, it's over a hundred years old. Like we have to talk about things like that. Own steroids. There was cheating scandals in 1912 with the Black Sox. Like, like it's not because it stays day and age. There's always been cheating in some form or another in baseball and those guys are in the hall. So they deserve in. I, in my opinion. Fair. I know that that's not the end all be all, but yeah. All right, but shout out to Poppy though. Yeah. For At real. least he got in. <laughs> a real one. And in the class of his own. Yeah, literally. Yes. That's great. I know. And that's the thing that I respect about, like, you think about, like, the NBA Hall of Fame. They're, like, they're oh going to run out of space in Springfield, Massachusetts, because everybody is getting in. They'll so just... that's the thing that, I, and there's some years that some people don't get yeah. in, which is cool. Yeah. But they've they've really overanalyzed, I think, this one in just the significance. And, and it's like, do we really got to always punish people in every, like, Letting that be like you're, you're almost your dying that's wish. That's it. That's all the like. Those, that's all yeah. those baseball writers are doing is that they're gonna make it there. It's about them, and they're gonna make sure that they don't get in under their watch. Yeah, I would agree. And then the next generation of writers, like I mean, given the timetable wouldn't make sense, but maybe the veterans committee lets them in. Then it's like, what's the point? Yeah. And there was just people that felt a certain way about them that others didn't. That doesn't take away from what the player did. I think it is. Um, it's ego driven. And I think I do like some gatekeeping in terms of I don't want 15 guys going in every year feels yeah. irrelevant. I think sometimes I don't want people going in that I don't know. <laughs> and there's uh, given yes. there's some guys I don't know. Yeah, well, that's obvious. I also think like I thought about the NFL, right? And obviously it's bigger teams, like whatever. But for the most part, you know. But most part, you know. But then sometimes it's like, well, he was a two-time Pro Bowler and a one-time Super Bowl champion yeah. with one catch, and you're like, but they hmm. they do a really good job of he was on a short list of the best at his position during okay. that time. Fair. For the most part, that's a pretty accurate representation of what nice. that hall stands for. I don't feel that way about the NBA. <laughs> there was some guys that are guys and girls that are in yeah. that are were not the best at their position. They're like, but he's really good or like has championships. Like I think maybe Robert Horian. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. But like that would scream a guy because of his championships and like he was just a role player. Like wouldn't that make sense that he would be in? If if he's in, I'd like all bets are off. Neil, is he not in? Not in. Okay, good. He you can has keep a one, little bit of that one at least. Sorry, Springfield. We actually take it all back. Uh, one but it would make sense. I would not be surprised if he would were to have been in. One of two players who have won at least seven NBA championships yes. and is not in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know who my biggest Basketball Hall of Fame snub is? Mm. <laughs> Brian Scalabrini. Okay, now we're moving on. Subject's done. <laughs> Dead. My favorite Scalabrini story is when people would go up to him and they would just think that they could beat him one-on-one, and he absolutely skunked everybody he played. Like, jo- everyday Joes, like like you and I, that were like, you're the, you're the worst player in the NBA. I could beat you. And he's like, no, you have no chance. Really gives you some perspective of how good these guys actually are. One of our favorite people uh, in the office, Mark Hall, the legendary. Yeah. Greatest of all time, Mark Hall. Are you going to bring this back? <laughs> I'm bringing it. Thank you. Are you going to make a Scalabrini Hall comp? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be great if I could come up with that on the spot. A little no. one-on-one? 
Mark Hall said the most humbling experience of his basketball career was when a young Jeff Lebo, who was a freshman when Mark was a senior, thinking he was all big, bad in high school. Mm. Uh, Jeff Lebo at Carlisle. He is. And he was apparently pretty good at basketball. Almost walked on at Pitt. Well, the first game that I covered over at Susquehanna Township, they brought up Mark Hall immediately. No way. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, he's a legend. Within the first five minutes. But this freshman, little tiny kid, Jeff Lebo, out in Carlisle, waxed the floor with him and, like, pick up basketball. And all all of his friends (laughs) make fun of him. Oh, now we got to get him out there. We got to get him out there and we got to get Jeff Lebo back. He would back. not even put on shoes for us. He wouldn't he won't play with you? Like I don't think he would physically step onto the court with us. All right, we have a new goal. I, I Let's I'm get Mark Hall to play high. basketball. Yeah. Here we go. One on one beast. An episode live in the field. One uh, on one. <laughs> speaking of Steve, speaking of people who will probably not win awards that they deserve to award based on Whoa. Uh, based Listen to me. What? No. <laughs> speaking of people who sure. will not win awards that they probably should win based on egos. Steve has his 27-second take. Okay, I thought you were talking about Steve. Steve would win all the awards. <laughs> I was like, why are you coming for Steve? No, Steve wins award for... Um, I'm impressed that you were able to get that tongue twister out. I would not have been able to Well, I tried three that. times because I kept getting interrupted. You did it. <laughs> Girl um, interrupted. I'm waiting. I know, I'm the worst. Steve... It's gonna hold on. Do you want me to put the twenty-seven seconds on the clock? No, oh. I can do it. But oh, yeah, I, I was gonna say. See if you can also, do what Dak didn't and time yourself. Yeah. Aww. Do you guys remember that uh, commercial where Pete Rose is like, oh, no. "Hey guys, I'm in the hall," and then his wife's like, "Pete, get out of the hall." <laughs> That's all that conversation was, really. I, I was thinking about Sum that up. for a while. <laughs> I was gonna bring up the Rogers thing, and then you took. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm so on sorry. On the same wavelength. Uh, yeah. well, Steve and I are just so aligned you in our note taking here. I, that's that camaraderie. Um, Chemistry is starting to really. Team, we're, we're, it is. We're finally a podcast. I think Kim Jones was even impressed we made it this long. She was like, "What?" <laughs> we, we said to her before the interview, "Kim, she you like, were what? you were episode three, and now you're episode thirty-six. And she goes, "Huh?" She's like, "What?" She was like, "You guys were so bad the first time." <laughs> the How FCC did you didn't make come it? for you. Oh, goodness. Wow. Well, we're instilling confidence, and now we're yes. going to instill confidence in our, our producer, Steve, to give us his 27-second take that I might have run over, and mm. your time starts now. Yeah. Okay. So, I I know I talk about the Broncos a lot, but... Correspondent. Yeah. I think the Broncos are going to hire uh, Packers OC Nathaniel Hackett uh, in the coming days, and honestly, I think that that actually will get us Aaron Rodgers and potentially Devontae Adams, which just saying, watch out Kansas City, Big Red, we're coming for you. <laughs> that division is is going to be ours. So, oh. Steve, I, yeah. Steve is, has always had great faith in his Broncos, yes. but I do think they're only a couple pieces away. Everybody is. Not true. <laughs> I mean, if, the, if, they're, the, if they're Rodgers and Adams, you be then inherently become pretty close. Jacksonville becomes it depends pretty on the, close. It depends on the The pieces. Giants become pretty yeah. close. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because I, really? then, I, then I think it takes on a different... So it's not just... It, they don't do that and then everything. Wow. It's like the NBA. So like when the Cavs went out and got LeBron for the second time, they then got other pieces and veterans were signing everywhere. Fair. Same thing happens in the NFL. They like, don't just keep these very bad teams. It, the whole roster gets a re-up. Given you don't get the all the stars, it's different where you have a team like Kansas City who drafted, played well, they're going to be sustained yes. success for a while. But you can get guys to go there for a year or two, that makes sense. You would have to rebuild. Be really over the cap, spend all your money, because that's what you're signing up for, and that would be the Broncos case, too. If you you're signing up for like a year or the two. The Giants getting Aaron Rodgers, though, you would have to pay... They would get a whole different offensive line. $100 million dollars yes. for a new offensive yes, line. Yes, I agree. You think they would do that? Yes, because I, the window is that short. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. 
Have you not, like, how desperate teams are for success? What would Saquon Barkley look like under a new offensive line? I agree. It could be the best oh. thing for him. You, I'm telling you. Sorry, you. sorry. Everyone's Broncos. a couple He's of pieces away for the most yeah, part. Okay. Given, will they win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But they're, that they're point close. still they're stands. Closer. closer. Um, okay. Steve, great point. I hope yes. you get Aaron Rodgers. I'm really happy for you. He's definitely not going to be a Packer. No. So no, that's that ship has more and more clear every day. Sailed like a terrible punt. Block punt. I hated that. <laughs> I'll probably cut that in the edit, you know? <laughs> so it didn't sail. Nope. There you go. You know, last week I got so, like, <laughs> sure. um, like uh, overly confident when you were like, that was a really good metaphor about the whole, you know? Yeah, no, and you were thriving I'm, and you cut yourself off. You got to ride it out. You got to ride the, the fake wave of confidence. That's what I do. <laughs> I make it seem like most of the things that I'm saying make sense. When in reality, if you dissect them, they probably don't. But I'm, gonna, but I'm going to finish these sentences. The long-winded sentences will mm -hmm. have an end. Mm -hmm. All right, Steve, 27 seconds. And for me, not you. I was, okay, I'm was. i aware. <laughs> Thank you. Thank sure you for you clarifying. Yep. Yep. Me. Want, yeah. Me. Sure. Allie. Anything else you want to say while you're at it? Okay. Who? <laughs> Mike Jones. Okay, anyways, moving on. Uh, 20 sec so 27 seconds on the clock now. Over the weekend, my absolute favorite event the Hershey Bears teddy bear toss, 52,341 bears on the ice. It is a spectacle like no other. I'm still concussed from oh. the number of bears that hit my head. Whoa. However, it is a 20-year tradition that actually does change kids' lives once mm. the bears get to where they're going. I think it is the best event. It gets some hate nationally, but I do think that it makes an impact here locally. It's important and should continue. Why would somebody hate it? People wonder if it's actually a waste of teddy bears yeah like there's there's a lot of rumors about like they just throw them away or whatever i can tell you i've seen it firsthand it's actually on our website right now abc27.com uh click on local sports i will tell you exactly where the teddy bears go even even if they did even if they did throw them away yeah for those however how long does it take for them to throw them all in the ice for those moments minutes. of joy wouldn't that <laughs> yeah. be worth it People don't. Yes. People can't have anything that's nice that's what it is this people are always looking for to, to poke the hole in something that's just not Oh, that's a nice thing. Let's dive deeper into that and really expose it. I what? agree. I agree. It's but just I think terrible. I will tell you right now the Bears, all 52,000 of them, go to 25 different organizations in yep. central Pennsylvania. They go to kids who are underserved, kids who don't get Christmas presents, kids who just need a smile. Uh, I think some go to an animal shelter yeah. and hang out with the with the dogs and, you know, whatever. They, they're all over the place. My point is, is that it is great. I actually saw them giving these bears all the way to a kid this week, and, like, the kids are in tears. They're just so yeah. excited. Yeah. So I love it. It's also insane to me that they – not just like surpass their like by like twenty like a fourth of it they like yeah. like twenty five percent yeah so like if they keep like are we gonna get to the point it's like a hundred thousand bears it's, them forever. it's just like doesn't you know the best part about that game five was five people five bears a person in the yeah play, yeah the people bring in like five at a time oh you just have trash bags full of them <sighs> crazy um I brought one <laughs> <laughs> you ruined the ratio yeah you know well yeah. someone brought how yeah. many nine um nope I forgot what I was gonna say so we're cool. moving on. Awesome. Logan? I don't have anything else to say either. Oh. Well. I, but Steve does. Steve did you does. see my countdown, by the way? The people listening obviously wouldn't have seen this, but it's 27 second takes. Uh-huh. At 20 seconds, I put up three fingers. I was so confused. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sabotaged. Steve, we were just aligned five seconds ago. Honestly, that's the math that I'm Shiner's not here right now. I This is my show. 
It's true. <laughs> you control time. Uh-huh. He's messing it up. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you want to see us mess up, you have to go back to episode three. Listen to our first interview with Kim Jones. Mm-hmm. You'll learn more about her, where she came from, how she got to where she is, and hear her preseason NFL takes, which I think is kind of interesting mm-hmm. to then compare it to where we are now. So that's episode three. And then also, if you missed our interview with Ricky Waters. It's a good one. Oh, my goodness. That man did not stop smiling. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of accolades for Michael Parsons as well. That was last week's episode, episode 35. You can find us on social media. You can find us on the website, abc27.com slash podcast. Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. If you've gotten this far, you clearly must like what you've heard. So could you subscribe, rate the show, and leave us a review?